I want to welcome everybody, if you're watching us this morning from wherever you're at, uh, around this globe, we welcome all of you. We're going to do our last session for a little while today, and we're going to finish talking about the Holy Spirit. This will be session 17. There's no way we've exhausted that, but we're going to take a little time off here during the summer, but we'll uh, pick up where we left off last week, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, thank you for your mercy, thank you for your long-suffering. You are an emblem of hope because of your long-suffering and your mercy toward each one of us. We owe you our lives, Lord, and we want to give it. We do want to give our lives to you. We just give you praise. We thank you, Jesus, for taking our place on the cross. We thank you for walking a mile, two, three, four, a hundred miles in our shoes. We thank you for making a way for eternal life so that we could live forever with the Father and with you and the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to testify of Jesus and to direct our lives and for not leaving us orphans. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 12 where we were at last week. I've got just touched the surface of this, so verse 1, we'll probably just work with this whole chapter and I'll give you a couple other things from a couple other places in the Bible as we wind up. It says, now concerning, and if you've got a new King James or a King James, or uh, you'll see that gifts are italicized, so gifts was not in the original language. So I mean, now concern. This is how it would read: now concerning spirituals or things of the spirit, brethren. <clears throat> I do not want you to be ignorant. You know, now the backdrop: the Corinthian church was out of control. <laughs> they had adopted; they had let the world creep in the church. In Corinth, there were a lot of false idols and temples to those false idols, who practiced horrific things in the name of a false god. So they brought those in, and that created more flesh. The Corinthian church was really dealing with a lot of flesh. And so Paul's trying to straighten them out and get them focused on the right things, and you'll see that as we go at the end of this chapter. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Just whatever. They, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And we saw a lot of those gifts in Romans 12 during our study. There are differences of, it, of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So uh, God uses people in different ways. He gifts people in different ways. He uses, as you'll see here in just a minute, he uses manifestations. Maybe he uses this person to manifest himself this way. He uses a different person to manifest himself in another way. He says, but, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So whenever the Spirit manifests Himself 
through someone, it's for the profit of everybody. Uh, for to one is given a word of wisdom. We described that last week. Uh, to another, the word of knowledge uh, through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. So these manifestations come to different people for the body of Christ, for, for God's purpose. Uh, to another, <clears throat> uh, faith by the same Spirit. So we're talking about a supernatural faith, a faith above and beyond uh, normal faith. And then uh, to another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. So God may manifest Himself in a way. Now this is why you got somebody who may, and this has happened in my life, you may pray for somebody, they get healed. Uh, but then you pray for somebody else and they don't because the Holy Spirit don't. You and I don't carry that. With the Holy Spirit manifests himself through us. So we don't know who God has desired to heal or why, what makes all that happen. That's in his jurisdiction. But so you don't, you know, if you don't, I heard a guy say these guys that believe uh, God heals through them, why don't they go down there and clean the hospital out? Well, that's not the way it works. That's the difference between, and this is where the Pentecostal movement is messing up big time. That is the difference between a gift and what we're talking about here. These are mislabeled as gifts. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see just in a minute how that works. A gift is something you possess, Romans 12. A manifestation is something the Holy Spirit comes up on somebody just like he did Samson, and does that through somebody. He may use somebody to manifest himself in one of these nine ways. You're going to see nine different manifestations here, and that's why it's important that... That's why the word gift was not in this original text, because these are manifestations. That's what's messed a lot of this teaching up. This is when the Holy Spirit, and you're going to see clearly what he does with these manifestations. So he, he goes on to say, he says, <clears throat> manifestation, spirit of knowledge, wisdom, faith. It's a supernatural faith. We all have a measure of faith, but here we're talking about an infusion of supernatural faith where people can believe God, uh, I don't know how else to say it, beyond the norm. Uh, to another, the gifts of healings by the same spirit. So there's a manifestation of God's healings gifts. He uses people. There, uh, sometimes I've, I've told you last week, I prayed for a guy with a tumor. It left instantly. It wasn't me. I've prayed for other people with tumors and they've died. I don't, I don't carry the power. The power has to come through me by the Holy Spirit. That's where the full gospel movement messed up. So now there's this expectation. Well, that guy got healed when you pray for him. Why don't everybody else get? Those are man, and you're going to see clearly. Let me. I'm trying to get to the end of this. He says to another the uh, uh, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different diverse or different kinds of tongues, which we saw some manifestation of that when we started the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came in His fullness, to another the interpretation of tongues. And then by one and the same Spirit works all these things, all these manifestations, distributing to, distributing to each one individually as He wills. 
So this, this is the work of the Spirit, right? You, these manifestations we're talking about, this is called the work of the Spirit. They all are still operational. Now, the other side of the coin that's, that doesn't deal with the Holy Spirit, and there's two groups in this country, and most churches follow. They either neglect the Holy Spirit, don't want nothing to do with Him, afraid of Him, believe everything's passed away and there's nothing going on now. That side is as wrong as the other side who made the manifestation of the Holy Spirit about us. It's about the Holy Spirit. What He may use us in these manifestations. What it say there? says he does it as who wills? He wills. The Spirit wills. So, like I said, I can pray for somebody and they get healed in this congregation. I can go to the hospital and strike out. <laughs> because it's not as I will. If it were my will, let me just tell you, if it were my will, I would go to the children's hospital this morning. That's the worst place I've ever been, even more than a third world country. If you want to go ball your eyes out and see how bad life is, then it's not a third world country, in my opinion. It's going to that children's hospital and seeing a two-year-old who's got a brain, brain cancer and, and has nothing to do with it. If it was according to my will, I would go to the children's hospital this morning in Louisville or Lexington and clean them out. But it's not my will. It's according to God's will. It's the Spirit as the Spirit wills. Sometimes, I, like I said, I've prayed for people that have gotten healed. Sometimes I've prayed for people that have gotten sicker. And sometimes, so we don't, we don't decide when the Holy Spirit, let's just be real, right? God could have stopped that shooting in Texas three weeks ago or whenever it took place. He's in charge, but he didn't. I don't have all the answers to that. David said his ways are higher than our ways. Some things we can't attain to, we don't know. This is just a thought. It's not theology, so take it for what it is. Maybe there were 24 children in that classroom. Maybe only two of them were going to serve the Lord down the road. Maybe he took them all home. I don't know. That would be mercy, wouldn't it? If 22 of them were going to go to hell if he let them live. I don't know all that. I don't, I'm not even saying that's the reason. I'm just saying we don't know what makes up God's decisions. He's so much higher above us. And, and look outside. All you got to do. If you want to think you're smart, just look outside and you'll know who's dumb and who's smart. God's the one that's smart, right? And so we, we, we don't have the power. We don't manipulate God. In fact, when they saw the Holy Spirit using some of these apostles, the one guy, Simon, he tried to buy it, remember? And Peter said, you better go pray and, and, and hope the Lord will forgive you for acting the way you're doing. It's not about us. It's not our power. It's His power working through us. And so then he, he says he does each individually as He wills. So these manifestations are real. For those people who say these things have passed away, when Paul wrote, he said, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part will done, be done away with. We, a lot of people use that text as the means to say God don't do supernatural things anymore. Paul was writing that about 20 to 30 years after Jesus had already come and gone. They were still, the manifestations were still at work while Paul was writing that. He's the one that's correcting all that. Paul was talking about his second coming, not his first coming. I hate it when people don't study to show themselves a proof. That is not a proof text for that. You have so messed up the scripture by doing that. When you say, when Paul wrote, when that which is perfect coming, Paul's writing that 20 to 30 years after Jesus had already come and gone the first time. He's talking about his second advent, his, his return to the earth. And so because these things were going on and Paul was commending them, 
He's just working here in Corinth to straighten them out because the Corinthian church was in the flesh. Now, that's the problem. That's exactly what's happening in America. You've got the full gospel movement who believes in all this but gets in the flesh with it. And you've got the other side of this coin that says, all oh, that stuff's done away with. We don't believe in it. It's all just no supernatural. So who's, who do you think's done that? Satan. So you've got a lot of groups. A lot, I dealt with this just yesterday. You've got a lot of people that grow up in churches that don't even hear about the Holy Spirit. It's like he's not even a part of a Godhead. They don't recognize him. They don't, and even though he's the agent in the earth today making everything happen. And, and so then you've got the other group that have t- embraced the Holy Spirit, but they do things in the flesh and call it the Holy Spirit and turn the rest of the people off to it. I just have to say kudos to Satan. He's done a masterful job at turning the church off to the Holy Spirit because that's where our power and our authority and our direction comes from. The Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus is and vice versa. So we, the, who do you think wants us to misrepresent or to blow off the Holy Spirit? Satan. Because he's turned most of, even the church world, he's turned most of the church world off to the Holy Spirit by either making the Holy Spirit so mysterious and people being afraid of him, to the other side, barking like dogs and calling it the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we, and and I don't even want to be around that. And I grew up in the full gospel movement. My wife grew up Baptist, so we grew up in polar opposite situations. We both groups believed in Jesus, but she never was taught about the Holy Spirit. She grew up in churches where they didn't really even speak about it. And I grew up in churches who got in the flesh with it. And that's why we feel like God put us together to bring a balance to that. My mother, who was an avid, avid studier of the Scripture, kept us from falling into those pitfalls of the flesh. And she, she was good about sharing and keeping us in balance. But they're both out of balance. That's what's happened. The side that neglects the Holy Spirit and don't embrace the Holy Spirit is out of balance. And the side that calls everything the Holy Spirit and blames Him for everything when they do stuff stupid, that's, that's turned people off as well. So we want to try and find the balance. The Holy Spirit's real. He's just as powerful as He's always been. He's going to continue to do supernatural things until this thing's over. That's what Paul was teaching. Then he says... In verse 12, for as, as the body is, uh, is one and has many members, but all members of the one body being many are one body, so also Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into the one Spirit, into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many, right? There's many of us that make up one. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand. Now, this is leading up to something about what we just talked about. He says, I am not of the body. Is he therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is there therefore not, uh, not of, of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased and if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet not one, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor from the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now, 
I have seen this for people who didn't believe that God could heal or do supernatural things until they got on their deathbed. Then they wanted to believe. It's funny how situations can <laughs> get our attention, right? Uh, I, I remember a situation growing up that this particular family had no grace for anybody that had been divorced until what? Their daughter got divorced. Then they wanted grace, right? I mean, it's funny how situations can change us and get our and help us open our eyes. It says, uh, <clears throat> "I have no need of your uh, of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which think to be less honorable. On these we bestow greater honor." And our, uh, our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our pres uh, presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the, that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for another. Now, if I took you back to where Paul talked about, one of you says, I'm Paul, one of you says, I'm a Paul, this, that. He goes on to say, I thank God I didn't baptize none of you except, he said, because Christ is not divided. It is, I'm going to say this, it is not God's will, denominations are not God's will. They're not. That's men's ideas that's caused division among the body of Christ. Who do you think loves that? God's not for it. He said he wants all the brethren to dwell in unity. But we're schismed. We're divided. I've got a handbook of denominations, and it's old because they keep popping up. And it's about that thick. You can go in one group. I'll pick on my wife's group, the Baptist, what she grew up in. There's untold many different denominations just in one denomination. Over and over and over and over. And it's division. And you can't come to the Scripture and say, well, that's your interpretation. <laughs> that's not biblical said there is no private interpretation somebody's right and somebody's wrong and so but men have divided satan's been masterful at this at dividing and conquering paul tried to stop denominations from getting off the ground he said one of you says i'm of this one of you says i'm of that and he said god is christ divided and he gets into all that again the same thing here in the body you may have people who have different functions but they make up the body. God put us together for a reason. And God didn't put us together because all of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. He put us together to journey together, to help one another, to pray for one another, to assist one another, and to grow as a family. Uh, he said, I want, didn't want there to be a schism, but that the members should have the same care for one another, in verse 25. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. One member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So that's how, we're, that's how we get into that scripture where Paul said we should care more about the things of others than we do our own stuff. People who rejoice. And I feel that way. I've, I've grown to be that way. When somebody gets blessed in the congregation, I feel like I'm getting blessed. I rejoice with them. I want to rejoice with them. But we live in a culture now that's so full of eros, Right? that people get jealous when they see somebody else get blessed. And I heard a guy say one time, he's, he, I don't know, he pastored a large church in Louisiana, 
And I don't even know what he drove. He didn't even say what he drove. But he said he got criticized for what he drove. I don't know what he drove. He didn't even talk about it, which was even better the way he said, but don't you judge my harvest till you've seen my seed. I thought that's a good word, you know. You got people that are jealous because somebody's getting blessed, but they only plant two rows of corn, and the person that really got blessed planted a hundred rows of corn. Who's going to get more corn? There, there is a lot. I know sowing and reaping has been abused by some televangelists, but it's a, it's a real principle. I mean, just make it as practical as you can. If I sow 10, ear, 10 rows of corn and you sow 100 ears, or rows of corn, you're going to get more corn. Some people are better at sowing than others. Some people hoard. Some people are not generous. The Bible encourages us to be generous. It's like my grandmother said, said if you, all you do is pay a tithe, you've not given anything because that belonged to God to start with. The offerings where you really give, the tithe belongs to God. It don't even belong to us. And my grandmother, who was raised dirt poor, that was her saying. She said, you don't, if you don't give something above the tithe, you don't give anything anyway. It's all God's. And so David said, when they got ready to sacrifice, he said, they said, let us give you the oxen. He said, no. <laughs> he said, if you give me the oxen to make the sacrifice, it's not my sacrifice. It's yours. You're the one sacrificing. Right? He said, I'll pay you for the oxen. That way it'll be my sacrifice. Right? And then David went on to say, we're, and he even says this beyond what my grandmother said. He said, even when we bring an offering, we're just giving back to God what he gave to us to start with. So it's all his. I mean, everything's his. So, but there are people that get greedy. They get stingy. They're not generous. They, they're legalistic. You know, God, the Holy, if the Holy Spirit wants to speak to them, say, I want you to do this with some money. They say, oh, I done paid my tithe. Well, you're missing the point. This is all about relationship. It's all about God's everything. So here he says, he said, we need to learn to rejoice with others. We need to not criticize. We don't know what people are doing behind the scenes. I've had people in the church. I've got one in this church, a couple in this church, actually. But I had a guy in one of my churches that he wanted to pay, that he got, he paid his tithes, but he wanted to pay people's electric bills. So he'd come to me every month and say, who needs their, who's struggling? Who needs their electric bill? God just, that was something God gave him to do. And I'm thinking, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. He wasn't rich, but he had enough and had enough to share. Now you are, you are, he's talking to us, you and I are the body of Christ and members individually. So we're, we're make up a body, but we're individuals. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that, miracles, these gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. And we see that. And then he says, and uh, are all apostles. What's the answer to that? No. Everybody can't be an apostle. Right? But he goes on, he says, are all prophets. What's the answer to that? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I skipped one, didn't I? Uh, uh, are all, you know, I didn't. Are all prophets? The answer is no. Are all teachers? The answer is no. Are all workers of miracles? The answer is no. Do all have gifts of healings? The answer is no. Do all speak with tongues? The answer is no. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So there are not Christians 
that are better Christians Who's driving a van? Yeah, it's you. Yeah, I think. They're getting ready to four. So uh, the answer is not all do these things. God uses these manifestations as He wills. Do you see that? As He wills in, in this same chapter. So this the person that gets used in a manifestation of miracles, tongues, interpreting tongues, supernatural faith, whatever. They're not a better Christian. See, that's where the church, that's where arrogance came in. They're not a better Christian because the Holy Spirit chose to... I try to remind people, lest we get high on ourselves when, when God uses us in one of these areas, remember, He used a donkey too. And so... God wants us to be members in particular, one of another. We make up the whole body. We all don't do the same thing. That's why Paul is saying what he's saying here. He's saying, are all teachers? No. Are all prophets? Are all work? The answer is no. But he says, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, this is interesting to me. He's dealing with a church that's out of control. They're in the flesh a lot. They understand that the Holy Spirit's real, but they've, got, they've brought the world into the church. So in this case, he says, I show you a more excellent way. And he gets into this. Look at this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, and that gift of prophecy is in Romans 12, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. You see what he's doing? He's saying all these manifestations and the gifts of healings, and all, those are real. But if you just go after that and you don't understand what God's main intention is about love, then the rest of it's of no value. And that's what a lot of people fell into. They wanted the showmanship. They want the credit for what the Holy Spirit does. That's dangerous to start with. They want God to be magnificent in them and they want it to all be outward things so everybody can see how spiritual they are it's not what this is about Paul says the Holy Spirit's looking for people to manifest himself through he may manifest himself through you in this way or that way or whatever but there's a more excellent way and that way is love so if you go back to the Old Testament the priest would have on the bottom of his garment he would have a pomegranate a bell a pomegranate a bell Pomegranate and bell, representing in the New Testament the fruit and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Do you know it's the same Holy Spirit that gives us the fruit? It's the one that manifests Himself through us with all these miracles? So there was a reason why the fruit had to be between each bell. Because if there was no pomegranate between each bell, the bells would just cling together and make no sense. That was kind of what was going on in Corinth. That's why Paul come in here to straighten this stuff up and say, yeah, the Holy Spirit's real and He's powerful, but you guys are out of order. And you're focusing on the wrong thing. Instead of focusing on love, you're focusing on how spiritual I am because I got used to this. So if you don't have a pomegranate between each bell, Paul talks about this in another place. He said if the, if the, uh, the sound don't make a certain sound, he said it's like a clanging cymbal, right? So these bells could distinctively 
make a noise without clanging together because the fruit's in there. That's a beautiful picture to us, right? If you run around or I run around acting all super spiritual and think that I'm better than another Christian because God used me in some way, in some supernatural way, which He does, but I don't have love, that's what Paul's saying. If you don't got love, this stuff don't really matter. And I think that's why a lot of times the Holy Spirit has been has not moved among groups of people and churches. Number one, some people just resist the Spirit. They don't even want to get involved with it. And then some people, they make it about themselves. They think if the Holy Spirit uses them, then they start trying to draw a crowd because the Holy Spirit manifested Himself through them. They don't really, they become known as the healer. Well, we're not the healer. The Holy Spirit is the healer. And He may manifest Himself through us, but that still don't make us the healer. And a lot of people have got labeled that over the years. Well, He's a healer. You know, well then, the Holy Spirit gets no recognition, no credit, and a lot of those ministries, we've seen the outcome of them. Some which have repented. I don't know if you've watched or heard him, but Benny Hinn has repented. And I heard his, own, I heard his repentance. Uh, some, you know, he, loves, he seems to love the Lord, and God probably used him in some way. I know a guy, I talked to a guy and had this conversation with a guy who knew Jim Jones. Jim Jones started out in Indianapolis, Indiana. He, he said he started out right, much like the Corinthian church. Jim Jones, they said God was moving in his midst. People were getting healed. And, but somehow along the line, Jim Jones forgot about love and made it about himself. And he wound up doing stupid stuff. And that happens to a lot of them because what happens when God maybe manifests himself through them, they get to thinking it's them. Well, look what I can do. And all of a sudden, they lose their humility and they get set up. What was it that took Satan out? Pride. They get set up. They said, Jim Jones, you couldn't hardly even get in the church when he first started in Indianapolis. This guy knew him personally. He said the Lord was moving in his church. People were getting saved. Miracles were happening. But then he got caught up in himself. And we see that in the Scripture. We see people do that in the Scripture. Uh, but kudos to Benny Hinn, who's repented, recanted some of the stuff that he fell into. He said he got caught up. In, I heard him talking about it. He got caught up in money. He got caught up in status. He got caught up in materialism. He said, I started making it about me. And it happens. It happens to people. It's good to see people repent because the Bible's filled with guys who repented. Good guys, Moses, Abraham. And I'm not here to confirm or not confirm Benny Hinn. I'm just saying it's good to see people say, you know, I was wrong there. I got in the flesh. So he says, he says if you have, these manifestations are real, but we all don't, we're all not used the same way, basically how he ends chapter 12. Then he says, but I show you a more excellent way. And then he says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow... He even goes a little further, because this is where a lot of people are caught up. Well, I, I work in a soup kitchen. I help people. Well, that's all good. 
He said, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So basically, he just really brought everything into balance after chapter 12 there, and, and there were no chapters in the beginning. So this thought would have continued, right? Eusebius and his boys put the chapters in there. So he would have continued this thought, and it's easy to see there. He said, I show you a more excellent way, gets into it. Uh, give me a couple minutes here. It's a little longer session because it's the last one for a while. So he's, uh, so he's basically saying, I don't care if you do all these things. If you don't have love, it's no profit. And love, in its original form, is a verb, right? Agapow. That's the word in John 3.16. For God so agapowed. It's the verb form of agape. Agape is a noun. But the verb form is how God started all this off. For God so agapowed, or verb loved us. What did it do? Verbs do what? They show action. For God so loved or agapowed that he done what? He gave. The true spirit of a Christian is to be a giver. Mercy, grace, long-suffering, love, money. It doesn't matter. True Christians are givers. Because that's how God started this whole thing off. For God so loved the world that he gave. His love, verb love, moved him to give. And what did he give us? The greatest thing he had. And I said this lately several times. It was a greater sacrifice for God to send his son than for him to come himself. Because what parent wouldn't step in front of a bullet if it was aimed at your child? Right? Be no question. Somebody come into my presence and me and one of my children there and they said, one of y'all's dying. I said, it's me. I'm the one dying. They're, they're going to live. Right? So being a parent, I understand now that it was a greater sacrifice for God to send his son than for the father to come himself and to have to watch all that his son was going to go through and to die for us. So a couple things. So as I said to you before, the Holy Spirit has been around. He was around in the creation. He was around the whole, in the Old Testament. I, uh, Paul gave Isaiah credit for being used by the Holy Spirit. Samson, the Spirit, rests on. But it's interesting to me in Psalm 51, verse 11, it says, listen to what David says in this repentant psalm. He says, Do not cast me away from your presence and, take, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. That was an Old Testament guy. But now David understood relationship. He understood that. That's why he... And then finally in Acts, uh, after Ananias and Sapphira got killed in chapter 5, the Bible says the Holy Spirit dropped them dead. Now, there's a lot of people in modern day wish that would have happened before the resurrection. <laughs> they don't like to see that kind of stuff after the resurrection. As if God can't judge, you know. But God, these people, Ananias and Sapphira, dropped dead by the Holy Spirit uh, in Acts chapter 5, which is after the resurrection, after the ascension. But if you go on over in that chapter in verse 32, uh, <clears throat> verse 29, let's just start in verse 29. Acts 5 and 29 says, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now that's where we draw the line. We obey the laws of the land. We're told to do that in Romans 13 until 
those laws conflict with God's word. His law supersedes the man, man's law. We ought to obey God rather than men. Uh, the God of our forefathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And how did they become witnesses? When the Holy Spirit came in his fullness. That's what we read earlier. And we are witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy, uh, so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So the Holy Spirit is available to us to take home with us, to use us, to give us gifts, to, use man to manifest himself through us, all the above. Lord, we thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you for this time we've had together. And thank you for these 17 sessions, Lord, that, uh, about your Holy Spirit. We need to grow and learn more of your Holy Spirit. All of us do, Lord. We have no way exhausted. Who you. There's no way to get to an end of a God in whom there's no end. We just pray for your spirit. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and lead us and guide us. Manifest yourself through us and hand off to us the things we need. In Jesus' name, amen.